0: Well, hey, this is Joey Ferjanek, lead pastor of The Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, what's up, everybody? (laughs) welcome again my name is joey i have the privilege of being the lead pastor i want to take a moment and welcome our online community let's say hello everybody online and then let's welcome our physical locations especially northwest for the second time hello so excited. I'm proud of you guys. Launching April 3rd and uh, best is ahead for our church. And I want to say thanks to all of our church for helping make this launch happen. We're going to reach a lot of people in Jesus' name. And so uh, we're in a season called Great Lent. And Lent uh, is really the 40 days leading up to Easter. We're preparing our hearts for Easter. Uh, we're fasting as a community. A lot of us are doing a lot of different things. Uh, we've given you a fasting guide Uh, that might help you uh, in your journey. This week, if you want to do that fasting guide coming up, fasting social media, which would probably be great for a lot of you. A lot of you experts out there. Every expert in the world on social media. Also, with Easter on its way, I would love for you to grab these invites. If you're at a physical location, there are invites on your seat. Please grab those. Feel free to wave them. All right? Fan your neighbor, even though it feels comfortable in your location. Uh, Fan your neighbor. Uh, Let's get these out to friends and family. Easter, April 17th. Going to be fabulous. Going to be fabulous. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Anyway, uh, it's going to be great. Listen, here's what I want to do as we begin uh, today as we're in this season of Great Lent. I I want at every location and at home, I'd love for you to participate. Uh, I'd love for you to stand to your feet, actually. And I want to lead our church uh, in communion, our whole body as one. A lot of times our location pastors will lead this uh, or someone uh, from stage at location pastors, but I want to lead our whole family in communion. And I want to read Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, he's really talking about church gatherings. And he says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there's a division, but I believe it. No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He took bread. And when he had, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whatever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, I don't have a ton of time to get into all the implications of this, but in a nutshell, God wants unity in his house. He wants unity in his church and I just want to take a few seconds at every location, even at home, to bow our heads and to examine ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Is there any offense in our life? Any sin? Anyone we're offended with? Disunity? God forgive us. Cleanse us of it. We want to take this and remember you and your goodness and your mercy. As we grab the bread today, uh, remember that communion is for the believer. If you're not a Christian today, we're so glad you're here. We would encourage you to wait to partake until you are one. However, you don't have to be a member of the Block Church to take with us. So let's grab that bread. Let's remember Christ, his body broken, for our forgiveness, for our unity. Can we eat together? In Jesus' name, let's eat. Father, thank you for your bread, for your body. We love you. Thank you for what you've done for us, beaten for our forgiveness, for our healing. Let's take what we have at our locations, the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. We take it because it's the blood that covers every sin, past, present, and future. We're thankful that this blood unifies us and makes us one body. There's neither Jew or Greek, slave or free. There's brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and we remember. And so today we drink, let us drink together. Jesus, thank you for your blood, for the juice that represents your blood, that covers us. We're grateful. We love you and we remember your death and believe and hold to the soon coming resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a praise as you find your seat today. God bless you. Well, as you know, again, you may be seated if you haven't been. As you know, I've been trying to stay flexible on these messages uh, and listen for God's voice. Uh, and, and this week, uh, I got this picture uh, that you're seeing right now of my son, Maverick, uh, at school. And uh, I was like, what? why are you dressed like that? He's like, well, I was dressed as Jesus. And he has this microphone in his hand that you can see. And he's like, I was Jesus and I was healing 10 people. And I knew right then and there what the story was. It was the 10 lepers. And I knew right then and there what I wanted to preach about. I knew. And uh, I knew it because it was already on my heart to speak about what this passage is about. Now, before I get into this message, uh, the the theme, uh, before I get into any of that, uh, I want to kind of go back to, um, I want to go back to what's happened over the last couple years. Last couple years, last few years have been really challenging, really difficult, um, really tough, obviously, and this weekend specifically marks uh, the anniversary, if you will, not that we're celebrating it, of when people shut down, isn't that ah, horrible, awful to remember that? Uh, But I was thinking about uh, how people uh, responded. And people responded really in in three ways uh, to the things that have happened, to COVID, to the lockdowns, to social unrest, to political upheaval, to war now, things like that. People respond in three ways. They respond by hiding, by running, or by fighting. That's how people respond. Or... By being social media experts. Like the same people who were experts on COVID and vaccines are now the same people who are experts on no fly zones, war, and borders. I mean, come on, am I right or what? And so, anyway, people respond in a few ways. It's not a flex, it's a reflex. When something happens to you, good or bad, there is a natural response. And what's happened over the last couple of years, people have had a reflex to it. Uh, They've either hidden, they've run, or they've fought. What does reflex mean? Reflex is an action that is performed as a response to a stimulus and without conscious thought. So in other words, again, when something happens to you, there is a natural reflex. And that's what I want to get into today. In fact, the title of my message is, What's Your Reflex? What's your reflex? So turn to anybody next to you and just smack them on the knee and then see what happens. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. What's your reflex? You know, because, you know, they are supposed to hit the knee. You know. Okay. T- Lent is a time, listen to me, Lent is a time to observe And reflect on the life of Christ. And we're invited into the story. Okay. When it comes to God and his involvement in our lives, when we put ourselves in the story, when we put ourselves in what God's done and is doing, when we see the bigger picture, our natural reflex should be gratitude and thankfulness. It should be. It it isn't always. Even when God does good things, it isn't always gratitude and thankfulness. I... Paul says, I am the chief of sinners, as he writes the gospel. Chief of all sinners. If there was a subject in which I might be the chief of all sinners, it would be this one. I feel highly unqualified to preach this message today because I really want to talk to you about your reflex of gratitude and thankfulness. And so often I overlook because I don't put myself in the story. I want to be better at this and I want I want I want to, I want, to I want to teach you how powerful and how sustaining the reflex of gratitude is in your life. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 17 and before I read give give you a little context Luke uh, was a gentile who converted to Judaism. So he, he took on circumcision, which makes him a Jewish author with a pagan and Gentile background. So he had a vast understanding. He was a doctor, uh, a writer. He was brilliant. He was trained intellectual. Uh, he directs this writing to Theophilus or Theo uh, and the word that means friend of God. So this is, in a, in a way, a kind of a euphemism for the church that the book of Luke is for the church, for those who are friends of God. He also is writing this, this is interesting, for servants of the Lord. The, the language there of the people in the temple were the keepers of the word. In other words, his intention in writing this, and this is important, was so that you would hear the message or the story You would hear the message or story uh, in your synagogue on Saturday, and then you would spend the rest of the week in your social circles talking about it. That was their form of groups or block groups, which is a great model. You should be hearing the message on Sunday, why church attendance is so important, and then go talk about it the rest of the week in your social circles and practice it. So I want to start with verse 11. And it's, the Bible says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, one thing we go know about Jesus is this He goes nowhere on accident, and He draws you to specific places, not on accident. So the lepers finding Jesus and heading in his direction and vice versa was not an accident. It was predestined and preplanned. And I would say to you today that you hearing my voice, watching this sermon, whether it's in a location or online or whatever it is, This is not an accident. God wants to do something in you right now. When it comes to the lepers, the physical ramifications are horrendous. I'll paint you a picture. Leprosy leaves sores, missing fingers and toes, damaged limbs, and in many cases, the pain of leprosy was unbearable a loss of sensation and nerve endings leading to more damage to body parts. So this was the worst thing uh, that you could have because it would take 30 years to run its course before you die. I mean, imagine this without any medical treatment. And this is the context of people who were getting this disease, honestly, often thousands of years ago. Now, they kept their distance. The why they're, they're standing far from Jesus and, and, and shouting, have mercy on us, is because by law, they could not go near people. So the worst part about the illness was, is they were isolated. You see that in Leviticus, Numbers, 2 Kings. What's even more interesting in verse 15 and 16 is, in this story, it's a group of Jews and Samaritans. You know, it's funny because, and I I think you see this somewhat in our nation right now as we're witnessing conflict and war overseas, Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. Jews and Samaritans had issues with each other. There was racial tension. uh, There was biblical, spiritual, religious, even political ideology that was different. Yet, when you have a common enemy, (laughs) somehow you come together. And, And... I think the picture of this is important because it's the Jews and the Samaritans who don't necessarily like each other, but they have this common enemy, leprosy. And so now they're moving together for a common goal. Do do you realize that this is actually a picture of the church and what makes the church so wonderful? That we are plagued with a common enemy, the disease of sin and Satan. And what we have to do is try to look beyond... Some of our differences and challenges come together in unity, so that we can defeat the common enemy plaguing both of us. Because sin, sin, my friends, uh, does not pick and choose. It doesn't have favorites, uh, and sin uh, it doesn't uh, it, it it doesn't discriminate. It's coming for you. You might as well get some brothers and sisters, of all ages. Sizes, races, backgrounds. You might get some brothers and sisters in your life and say, we've got a common enemy rather than beating each other up as the enemy. In verse 14, Jesus looks at them and he says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, I want everybody to either type that or say that, as they went, as they, went. they were cleansed of their leprosy. Think about that. Now, the local priests, they were kind of beyond just priests. So I should have knew that before I got in the ministry, that it wasn't just about preaching, that it was a million other things. It's counseling, it's business, it's fundraising, it's, you know, all kinds of crazy things you'd never believe. The local priest had duties other than leading worship on the Sabbath. He was something of a health official. in Leviticus 14, and I'm not going to read it, okay? There's about a hundred things, and you should read this, Leviticus 14, 2-32, but a hundred things the priests have to do to cleanse and heal the lepers, or basically after they're healed, they've got to go through this process. So, so there would be healing for these lepers. There would be, they, they, you could go from being a leper to not being a leper, but you had to go to the priest, and the priest would do a hundred things, and then they would determine you were healed and you could enter back into society. I, I think an image of this is God's justice and it's also his process. If you look at Matthew five seventeen, Jesus says, don't, under, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So in other words, we go to Christ to receive mercy, right? And then listen to this, the elongated process of discipleship and transformation, going to the church, going to the minister, going to the, in their case, the priest, it was part of the whole process of holistic growth, development, and healing. And, and what I'm saying is, is, when God wants to do something in your life or when he starts something, it doesn't just stop with the moment with God It needs to then turn into, I go to the church. I go to God's people. I go through a process of discipleship. That's That's why Jesus says, don't misunderstand. I didn't come to abolish the process. I I came to accomplish their purpose. Now, let's go back to as they went. I know I'm teaching you, but there's, there's a lot here. As they went, they looked down at their bodies. And at first... Jesus says, go to the priest. And at first, nothing's changed. Have you ever ever, uh, believed by faith you receive something from God and then nothing's changed immediately? Well, newsflash, I hate to break it to you. That's usually not how it works because it's all about faith. And so as they go... Nothing's happening. But as they continue to go and push past the initial emotions of the moment, things begin to change. When God speaks, it usually doesn't result in much immediately. The key is, will you continue to move forward or not? So they head off and on their way, they were healed. On their way, a hand reappeared. On their way, Something began to tingle with life. A crutch tripped on a filthy rag as it fell to the ground. The leg was back, healthy, whole, complete. The skin cleared. The tiny hairs on their forearm turned from snow white to brown. The smiles broke into cheering and sweet madness as they acted in faith. Past the emotional moment of maybe a weekend experience. I wonder what would happen to you if you would just be obedient long enough to see God do the full thing? What would happen on your way to total and complete obedience? And look, I I could list off a thousand things that we probably need to be obedient about, but the thing is, is you probably already know. What's the thing you're wrestling with? What is it? Because God's healing comes by faith. But in order for the miracle to happen, these men had to start walking in faith before their circumstances changed. Sometimes we have to be thankful before we even receive what we're believing for. An old preacher used to say it like this. Would you praise on credit? (laughs) And you'd hear an organ in the background. You've also heard, I'm going to put a praise on it. Because you are praising in advance. You are thanking in advance. You're believing by faith. Now, in verse 15, and this is really where I want to go for the... Just the the next five minutes. When one of them saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. He's the only one that came back to give him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even one of Jesus' kind. But this was his reflex. This was his reflex. We always talk about when bad things happen, what do you do? But your response when good things happen is just as important. When I get paid, what's my reflex? When I get into a relationship, what's my reflex? When I get the job, what's my reflex? When I get what I want, what's my reflex? Honestly, I think we're more blessed than we realized, but we don't recognize it and realize it, live in it and sustain it because our reflex is to forget, not to think. Our reflex is not gratitude. Our reflex is I did it. It was me. And how quickly we forget the miracle working God That gave us what we got in the first place. And I want us to evaluate our life right now. When I get, what's my reflex? Do I return? You can always tell someone is healthy by their reflex. Healthy people always return with thanksgiving, with generosity, with apologies, with worship, with hope. Healthy people have gratitude spilling from them when good things happen and when they're believing for great things to happen. Verse 17 Jesus asked, Didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Had no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, I don't know. I don't know if these guys caught leprosy again or something else. There's not proof, but there's a lot of theories. When Jesus said, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. What was he talking about? Was it sustained healing? Were the other guys gonna get leprosy again? Was it salvation? What 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 did Jesus mean your faith has healed you? Was it the emotional element of being separate? I, I don't know what it was. Was it proof that this former leper now was truly saved? Because it's by grace, the healing, through faith the healing, the returning. I I don't know. All is possible, but here's what we do know. When God gives you something, you return with a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship, a sacrifice of service, a sacrifice of generosity, a sacrifice of availability, a sacrifice of your life. When God does something in you, when he saves you by his grace, there is a responsibility to return. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have asked for everybody else. And that's just the truth. Because because what this proves is, is there were nine people looking uh, for a handout from anybody. And this guy was looking for a connection with the eternal. I think a lot of us treat God like this. We, We... when we're in bad seasons, when we're struggling, when we have the proverbial leprosy, we 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 run to God, we're back in church. We I got to get I got to get my finances in order. I got to I got to man this relationship is toxic. Whatever it is, and then and then and then the moment things got got God begins to work, now you're working his process. All of a sudden, God's at work in your life and th- things are starting to go in the right direction. We're quick to drop God. We're quick, quick to drop his house. We're we're quick. Oh, I gotta raise. I can't elevate my tithe to 10%. This is too much now. I all of these different things, it's like, oh, I can't, I got too much going on. I can't, I can't offer God anything. But there is scriptural precedent that when God does something in you, you return with a sacrifice of praise. What are your reasons why your reflex in life isn't to return with gratitude? And as I close, with with a little bit of imagination and maybe putting yourself into the position of the lepers because in a lot of ways, that's who we are. We're certainly not Jesus in this story. But I just wonder if like maybe the first one thought his disease suddenly got better on its own and he just needed to thank his lucky stars. Maybe the second one, thanked the priest for proclaiming him clean but never made the connection between Jesus Christ, the son of God, and the miracle. Perhaps maybe the third one purposely avoided Jesus because he knew that Jesus was going to have high demands of discipleship, a process. And he's like, no, I got what I needed. I'm not coming back to that well because there's work to do. Maybe the fourth one ran home to his village because he missed his wife and children so much, uh, which is fair. And he was abandoned. He was isolated, but he got caught up. Maybe the fifth one had every good intention to return to Jesus. But again, he he just got caught up. Maybe the sixth one thought, well, I've had such a hard life. I deserved this. Maybe the seventh one was too stressed about all the parties he had to throw for himself. Maybe the eighth just wanted to get over his past and focus on is future, but if we never go to the root of our past and give it to God, our future might repeat itself. Maybe the ninth was going back to thank Jesus, but he didn't want to walk next to a Samaritan. He forgot the common enemy, so he made an enemy instead. So maybe they were healed of leprosy, but pride was going to kill them faster. All I'm saying today is, I don't know what God has done for you. But how could I not bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving and gratitude? What's your reflex today? And at every location, I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to practice the right reflex At every location, physical locations, prayer folks, prayer leaders are coming forward. And we're going to go into a time of singing and singing is just a tool. What you're going to do is you're going to lift up a song of thankfulness, a song of gratitude. And then we're going to take it out of this room and we're going to make it a lifestyle. And every time I receive, every time I walk, every time I receive and walk and go and live and get blessed, I'm returning with thanksgiving. (laughs) Because when I have thanksgiving as a garment, when I have gratitude as my clothing I sustain the healing and the victory. Jesus, right now, we thank you for the cross, for your resurrection. We thank you for all you've done in our life, how you've provided God, even though we're facing all sorts of challenging moments and price increases and difficulties, you sustain your people. So we return today with praise. We come into the house of God with a sacrifice of praise. Get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us thing. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.